0: Message to him and to Mom, who does the bulletins, of what the sermon title is going to be and what the uh, scripture passage is going to be, so she can put it in the bulletin, so Andy can have it for uh, when he when he edits the podcast for the following week. So your pastor had his timeline switched up because there's two really important days in the Christian calendar, right? Easter and Christmas. And I thought Easter was not next week but the week after. So I had a completely different sermon plan, different title, different passage. We were going somewhere completely different. And I go, and I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to myself. Does everybody here talk to themselves? Right, it's all right as long as you don't answer, right? The problem is I answer myself all the time. Sometimes it's, no, I won't go there. Uh, But, so I'm talking to myself in the office, and I go, all right, so I got Palm Sunday next week and Easter the week after that, and Mom goes, what? And I said, yeah, Palm Sunday is, is a week from this Sunday, and then Easter is a week after that. And she goes, no, no, Palm Sunday is Sunday. So on the fly, we had to write a new sermon. Not on the fly. It was like Wednesday, so we had plenty of time. So, but here's the g- great thing. The sermon you were going to hear this week fits with Easter. So, you're gonna hear that sermon next week. So, you'll get to hear it, don't worry. Today, though, we are gonna be in Luke, and most of you here have heard Palm Sunday sermons before, right? Or heard this passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 19 is the passage of Scripture in Luke where Christ makes his entry into Jerusalem, right? I know you've heard it before, at least most of you, because most of you have been here for the four years I have been the pastor here. And I've preached a Palm Sunday message every year. And I went back and looked. And almost all of them were out of this exact passage of Scripture. In case you didn't know, your pastor very much likes Luke over the other three Gospels. It's my favorite one. So as I was thinking about what can we talk about, I realized there's a portion of this, there's, a, there's something in this passage that fits with Palm Sunday that I've never talked about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We are going to read about his entry, Luke 19, 28 through 40. But as we read it, I have a challenge for you. As you read through this, whether in your Bible, on your phone, or up there on the screen, right? Today's sermon is about big and little. And how we always want God to be in the big things. And God really likes to work in the little things, in the details. So as we read through this, look for the little details That Jesus mainly talks about and says to do and such. And we're going to talk about those things and why God is so into the little things. Luke 19, 28 through 40. It reads like this. After he had said these things, and he being Jesus, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethphage and Bethany, near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There, as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Did I go to verse 40? Is that it? There's not one more slide? I did. Ha ha! Some of the Pharisees and the crowd said to teach teacher, "Rebuke your disciples." But Jesus answered, "I tell you, if these become silent, the stories, the stones—excuse me—will cry out." I thought I put 40 ver—well, not forty verses, but verse forty—in there. This is why we do. I do prep beforehand because I'd get enough stuff wrong. I gotta try to get some stuff right. So, if you grabbed a bulletin and you got a note sheet in front of you, number one on your note sheet: God is in the details. God is in the details, right? So if you know this story at all, you know it had to be a donkey, specifically a colt. Why? Zechariah 9, nine says, its prophecy says, that the Messiah will come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, on a colt, to the foal of a donkey. So it's gotta be a donkey. So Jesus doesn't say, go get me something to ride on. Not a cow, not a horse, not a large dog whatever it's go get me specifically exactly the small detail of somebody who had written 500 plus years in the past said it's got to be a donkey so he says go get me a donkey as well he heads it off right Jesus is proactive most of the time he's not reactive right most of us in here and I know because I know most of you are reactive, not proactive. Proactive means you see something before it happens and you go, I'm going to try to do my best to stop that or to just head that off. One of the things that mom and I spend a lot of time doing before you see anything happen, whether it's a program, whether it's Thrive Night, whether it's uh, what we did yesterday, Light the Night, VBS, whatever, anything we do, mom and I spend hours doing our best to be proactive. How can we answer the questions that need to be answered? How can we circumnavigate this particular issue? How can we make sure that this goes like this way and not like this way? You have to be reactive in some things because you can't plan for everything. We can't. God could. We can't. But you can save yourself a lot of headache, a lot of heartache, a lot of trouble if you're willing to be proactive and think before you do something. Jesus goes. One, he knows things. But two, also think about this. If somebody just showed up, we don't ride colts, donkeys, and horses really anymore. But somebody just shows up at your door, takes the keys to your car, and just gets in. You're going to ask what they're doing. Maybe you'll do a little more than that. One of my favorite opening lines in any song ever is a country song called Way Out Here. And the opening line is, our houses are protected by the good Lord in a gun. And you might meet them both if you show up here on Welcome. And I go, ha, I like that. But either way, right, you're going you're to ask some questions. So Jesus goes, whoever owns this colt is going to want to know, why are these two guys taking my animal? So just answer him simply, the Lord has need of it. Simple and in the details. And what happens when we follow what God says in the details, right? So they go and they find this colt. How they know it's the right exact one, I'm not sure. Maybe the spirit talked to them. Maybe it was literally the only donkey in the whole town. Who knows? But they know it's the right one. And they go, and they untie it, and who shows up but the owner who goes, time out, what are you doing? And the answer is the Lord has need of it, and they can go. Let me ask you this. If they had said anything else, would they still have been able to take the donkey? I think so, because Jesus had to ride in on that thing. It's the same thing as when Moses is told, speak to the rock and water will pour out of it, but he gets ticked off and hits it instead. Water still poured out of it, but there were big consequences for him. He was no longer allowed to to enter the promised land, right? Make no mistake of this incredibly important detail, not just in this story, but in your life. God has zero need for you or for me. And if you think that he does, your God is not big enough. If your God has any need for you in any way, shape, or form, he is not God. He's something else. God does not need you or me. He wants us. And that's even more incredible because what God wants people that turns their back on them, but he wants us. Keep that at the forefront of your mind. And boy, it helps keep you humble to say, you know what? I can sing. I can play guitar. Five minutes before the service was supposed to start, I was going to play piano. And then Maddie comes up, my wife comes up and goes, they don't need me in kids' church today, so I'm going to play piano. Cool, right? I know I've got talents. God doesn't need any of them. I mentioned it in the prayer about the offering. He gave me the talents. He can take them away just as easily. Right? It's that old adage, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. God's the best at it. But when we follow the, in, the small details that God tells us to do, Things go the way they're supposed to. Number two on your note sheets. Big versus little. Big versus little. We as people expect big things, right? If, you, if I asked you, what's your favorite story in Scripture? Some of you are going to say things like, oh, the parting of the Red Sea. Or, you know, these, this or that. We love the big, big miracles that God does, right? It's amazing to see what God does throughout Scripture. It's incredible. Some of you very well might also say, I love the story of Esther. Amen. It's an incredible story. The only book of the Bible that doesn't mention God, the name of God in any way. It's an incredible story. If Esther hadn't gone to the king, would the Jews have been killed on those gallows? No, they wouldn't have been because God was going to protect his people. He just would have used somebody else. Remember, look back to three minutes ago when I yelled at you that God doesn't need you. He didn't need Esther either. But that's a small detail story. That story is a story of God working in individual people's lives to do massive things. Esther saved an entire nation of people because she did the small details of what God asked her to do. There's just as much enormity in that as there is in the Red Sea. There's just as much enormity in that, enormity in that, as there is as the walls of Jericho falling. But they also had to do small details there, didn't they? Walk around that thing 13 times throughout 7 days. You see, we as humans, we love to see, we're always asking God, when are you going to do the next big thing? When's the next big miracle? God, I need this big miracle. God, when are you going to do this? And God's going, when are you going to take care of the little things I've asked you to do? The walls of Jericho fell only after they walked around it 13 times. The Israelites were saved in Persia only after Esther had courage to do the little things that God asked her to do. When you look through the stories of Scripture that we love, you will see it is the details that God works in. Very rarely does he do just massive big things off the cuff. Almost always it is small little things. Even his triumphal entry into Jerusalem was the small little details that allowed it to happen. So how does this apply to us really, right? Um, Like for instance, I mean, before we go there, let me take a step back. We're looking for the big things just as the Israelites were back then. What did almost every single person think Jesus was there for? To defeat Rome. We are going to overthrow Rome and be a nation again. Jesus had his sights on far bigger things. He wasn't there to defeat Rome. In fact, he said, Pay your taxes. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Follow the rules that the government puts down. And if you don't like that, take it up with Romans chapters 14, 15, and 16 where Paul talks a lot about the fact that we're supposed to, you know, not be horrible people to our government officials. Take it up with the author, not me. I didn't write it. Jesus was there not to defeat Rome. They wanted the big thing. Jesus was there for the bigger thing. The biggest thing that took details. You see, we're constantly looking for God to work. And he's saying, I am working. You just won't look at it. I'm going to clue you in to a big area of struggle for your pastor. I struggle often. So so mom and I, and usually dad, will sit down after we do an event and, and kind of debrief it. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? If we're planning on doing this again next year, what are some areas we can improve? What are some areas where we go, we're not going to do that next year, right? If you've ever been a part of anything that's run well, they do that. One of the areas I struggle in the most is going, boy, I don't feel like anything big happened out of that. I, I just don't feel like God did anything out of that. What are we doing? We put money and resources and time and other people's money and resources and time into making this thing happen, and boy, it just feels useless. No big thing happened. And my parents, who have been doing ministry decades longer than I have been, always have to remind me of this fact. God likes to work in small, detailed ways, right? The still small voice, that's what he likes to work in. He could do the big boisterous. He can, and he's done it at points. Salvation is big boisterous. That wasn't small tiny details. That was God showing up and saving us from ourselves. But he likes the small details. I'm going to clue you in to one of the biggest reasons why your pastor and you don't like that fact. When something massive happens, it can only be a God thing, right? We can't say, well, we had this to do with it or we had this to do. No, it's a God thing. So we give that over to him. That's easy to do. When the Red Sea parts, that's an awesome thing. There's not a thing humans could do to make that happen, right? You can explain away the walls of Jericho. They walked in just the right manner, that the ground shook just the right way, that the rocks lost their ability to stay together at just the right frequency, and so they fell. Bullcrap, but you could make that up if you really wanted to, and say it was humans that did it. You see, when the small details happen, we feel we can take control of it. We say, God, you handle the big stuff. I'll handle the little stuff. The problem is, there's no such thing as little stuff to us. It's all over your head. Never believe the lie that God won't give you more than you can handle. It's bull crap. Because you can't handle anything without him. There's not a thing in this life you can walk through without him. So if he doesn't give you more than you can handle, he won't give you anything, and you'll be a vegetable on the couch. I might be okay with that some days, but not every day. We don't like it that God works in the details because that's the area we want to get glory in. We want to get the glory in the small things. We'll let him have his glory and his honor in the big things, the things we can't possibly pretend that we control. But we want all of it for the little things. And God goes, no, no, that's mine. So I'm going to work in the little things. So how can we apply it? First off, God is looking for Esther's. He's looking for men and women who are willing to stand up and say, God, I'll follow you in the little things. I will do the little things to the best of my ability that you have given me. I'll do them. And I'll give you the glory and honor in them. I will walk in courage and in faith of what you want me to do in the little things of life. That's when God makes the big things happen. Secondly, stop looking... For the big things. Wow, your pastor's going quick today. You might want to go tell mom that we're, we're closing up soon because it's only 1020. Um, um, I'll just extend this out. Don't worry. I can do it. I'm going to pick, I'm going to open this to a random spot and point. And I bet you, no, I'm not going to do that because God will take me someplace I've never read before. And it'll be like, I don't, what? We're not going there. Cool. Um, so here's the thing, right? So secondly, stop looking for the next big thing. Stop looking for the next big move. Because odds are, he's not going to show it to you. Did the Israelites know the Red Sea was going to part when they got there? Nope. And in fact, they were in despair screaming about it would have been better if they had stayed in Egypt. They didn't know the big thing was going to happen until the big thing happened. Don't look for the next big thing. Instead, do, and this is your number B there under, let's apply it. And you've heard me say this a billion times before. Do what God is asking you to do in the place he is asking you to do it when he is asking you to do it. What, where, and when. God, what are you asking me to do? Where are you asking me to do it? And when do you want me to do it? And do that. Don't worry about what's coming next. Worry about what God has you at right now. For some of us, right, for me, especially before I became the pastor here, that was a really difficult thing for me, right? Let me clue you in. So most of you know, I listen to country music. There's another country song where it talks about you get a statue in your hometown. And from the time I was like 11, 12 years old, I was like, I'm gonna be the next Billy Graham. And then it was, I'm gonna be the next Mark Hall, who's the singer, singer of Casting Crowns. And I'm like, boy, I'm gonna be, my name's gonna be in lights. People are gonna know me, and I'm gonna be a warrior for God, and everyone's gonna know my name. Not God's name, everyone's gonna know my name. And as I got older, that vision did shift to go, all right, God, it's still kinda like people to know me, cause I'm a prideful man, but I recognize that in me, and I wanna do what you want me to do. What's next? God, I'm doing this right here. What's coming next? And now, as a almost 28 year old, which I know most of you in here are going, wow. One of my substitute teachers from high school, he used to substitute teach in choir, um, works at the bank over in uh, uh, Montrose, right? What's his first name? You've told me before, Brady. I never knew him as, as as Brady, but I assume I'm 28 years old now. I'm allowed to call people by their first name now. But either way, um, he works over there. And every time I walk into that bank, he goes, Sam, how are you? How's Maddie? I sometimes talk to her, and because ah, Maddie works at the bank too, right? And oh, ah, this is great, and this is that. And he goes, I said, he, I, I talked about, you know, Maddie and I have been married almost two years, I've been the pastor for four years, uh, I haven't been in high school in 10 years, uh, and he goes, Ah, oh boy. And I said, you feel old yet? And he goes, well, I just went to my, uh, what college did he go to? Uh, Mansfield Reunion the other day. So, yes, I feel old. Uh, so I say all that to say, does it make you feel old to know that your pastor is only 28 years old? I hope so. Right? But now as a grown adult, 28-year-old, almost 28-year-old man who knows so much of life, <laughs> I recognize the fact that God wants me to do what he's asking me to do right now. It's not easy. Because I still would love to, Maddie and I, when we were on vacation a month ago or so, went to a mega church in Kentucky. Big old place. And I was like, boy, I could that preacher's not better than me. I could stand up there and preach that message. I'll do it right now. So he was in, no. Because I went, I could do that. And everyone would know my name. God may never make people know my name. I'm okay with that now. Because I want to know what he wants me to be doing right now. Exactly. Better than the last time a baby made a sound in here, and I shushed him, so, right? <laughs> For those of you that don't know, we have a, 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 he's not really a baby anymore. Jameson is like, he's like two years old or something like that, right? Um, but either way, he was over here one day. This is a year, year and a half ago, right? Something like that. And I was on a roll. Right? I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm in it. Like, here we go. This is good. I'm, I'm hitting hitting it, hitting it. And he makes some sound, and without even thinking about it, I go, shh, and I just keep going. And it took me about another two sentences to realize, I just shushed a baby during my sermon. Do what God is asking you to do, where he's asking you to do it, when he's asking you to do it. Don't ask God, God, what's next? Ask God, what's now? Where have you put me right now? And what have you asked me to do right now? In your work, in your home, in your church, in this, whether you're from New Milford, Halstead, Great Bend, Susquehanna, Montrose, I don't care, anywhere around here, right? Whether you're from, I don't, listening at home, right? I don't care where you're at. Ask God, what is it you want me to be doing right now? And watch as God makes amazing things happen. Sometimes, most of you will know this, but I'll ask this question. What is our number one at this church, number one outreach event that brings people into this church every year? Light the night. We've had multiple families come to this church because of light the night. Yet, after every single light the night, it doesn't seem like anybody's going to come here. Why would they? All we did was pass out candy. It's good time for me, I agree, especially because I get to work a table, and you just, you just, you know, oh, nobody here likes Three Musketeers. I'll just, it's the best candy bar ever made, so I'll just, I'll just take that right there and eat that. Chocolate with chocolate scraps inside of it. Mm. That's what nougat is. Nougat is chocolate scraps that they grind up. Look it up. It's better than a hot dog. Some of you are new here this morning and you're like, is this what he's like every Sunday? Yes, yes. Do what God is asking you to do, where he's asking you to do it, when he's asking you to do it. Don't ask what's next, ask what's now and walk in that. And God will eventually show you what's next. When it's time to go, he'll make it clear. It's time to go. It's time to move to the next thing. Work in the small details and allow God to work in those small details to make the big things happen. Sometimes you might not see the big things happen. That might be for other people to see. That's all right. Work anyway. And watch as God does amazing things. God was working in the small details as Jesus walked into Jerusalem, well, rode into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Small details throughout a week, and then some small details that led from a dark Friday to a very bright Sunday. The small details is what matters. Would you pray with me? Father, as we walk through uh, today, as we, you know, as we uh, walk through Palm Sunday, and then this week walking into uh, Good Friday, and then, and, then, and then Easter Sunday, I pray that you would help us to recognize and work in and see the small things. Father, ask that you grant all of us who hear this wisdom to know what you'd like us to do, where you're asking us to do it, and when. And then give us the faith, the courage, the strength to walk right in it. Father, we praise you. I ask your blessings on all of our weeks ahead. And it's in the name of your son we pray. Amen and amen.